following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Geico here from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star in Frisco. Still reeling over the 37-17 Cowboys win against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon. And the fact that the Cowboys are indeed still alive in the NFC East hunt going into the final week of the regular season. We're going to break it down and we're going to talk about some of the scenarios, some of the questions, and we're going to answer your questions here on this edition of Talking Cowboys as fans on the 50 comes up at 9.50. But first, let me introduce the group as always. Isaiah Stanback, a resident Super Bowl champion. We've got Cowboys insider and the guy who just got off the fan, Mr. Rob Phillips. You might have heard him on Sean and RJ, or at least this week it's Sean and Fish on the fan this week. And then you've got our professional football insider and analyst, Mr. Heckma Harrison, joining us as always. I'm Kyle Yeomans driving the bus and boy, Boys, I've got some bad news to start the show today. Some really bad news. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Yes, this is unfortunate okay. for Cowboys fans because yesterday we we had the breaking news that uh, Dwayne Haskins was not going to be the starter for Washington, which was bad news in its own right. But then he was released and now out of the division as the guy who could potentially help you get to a playoff spot. Not his own team, but our team, the Dallas Cowboys. And that was unfortunate because we need Washington to lose on Sunday and Dwayne Haskins is now out in Washington. Washington. He was waived yesterday by the football team, and they are going with Taylor Heineke as the starter, the product out of Old Dominion, or at least the starter if Alex Smith is not ready, Rob. So still a lot of question marks there. And then, uh, you know, it's going to be unfortunate not seeing Dwayne Haskins out there helping your case. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was a quick turnaround, right? He, he gets the start. And has an opportunity to put him in the playoffs. And the next day, I guess Ron Rivera makes that decision to move on. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't discount him having a comeback and, and being successful in this league. He's a young player and, and give him time to sort things out. But, yeah, I mean, for this particular matchup, you don't want to see Alex Smith playing on Sunday night. Because mm. I just said it on the fan. We'll see what happens. I think Philly's got enough talent to win that game. But when they're out of the playoffs... They're not playing for anything, and, and Washington's front is still a problem. Even, even with Terry McLaurin potentially not playing uh, in that game, I, I think Washington can win an ugly game. But, hey, you still got to play the game and find out, and the Cowboys have to win their game on Sunday and not worry Fans about that and take care of business in the Meadowlands on Sunday. Now, there was some conspiracy theory kind of bubbling up yesterday with Rex Ryan on ESPN's Monday Night Countdown, and he was talking about how there's no way that Philadelphia allows the Cowboys to win this division, that they were going to throw the game against Washington, and that there was going to be this 
tanking going on with Philadelphia and the football team coming up on Sunday Night Football. And Isaiah, I just want you to, I know you're not a team tanker. You don't believe in team tank. You don't think it's a thing. But is there such thing as maybe the jealousy? Is there such thing as maybe the pettiness from a Philadelphia team that you just beat by 20 to go into this game and say, you know, we'd rather Washington win this thing? No, not even possible. I think I think anytime you're playing playing one of your divisional role, uh, divisional woes, you want to make sure that you send them home packing. And whenever you have opportunity to send them home packing, uh, without an opportunity at the playoffs, you definitely hop all over that opportunity. So uh, I look forward to seeing Philly uh, have a bounce back game and smack these dudes upside their head. Ekman, no, I also saw that. No, I saw that also. And when Rex when he said that, I, I thought that was just another one of those things that he says on ESPN and he's been known to say some really outlandish things. Mm-hmm. So that was just one more thing to pile in that bucket of manure of things that he says. Uh, but I, I don't believe that. I believe that Philly's going to come out fighting for their pride uh, to, to finish the season on a high note. They have a, a, a rookie quarterback that they've gotten behind that f- they feel good about uh, this season at the, to end this season. Uh, but going back to, the way that you framed that question about uh, Haskins, good lord, Kyle, have mercy on uh-huh. that dude, man. It's uh, you know how do you go from how do you go from like you said, Rob, starting to being released twenty four hours, twenty four hours, and he's had his struggles, and it's all been documented. And you know, Kyle, you know how I am, man. When we talk to coaches mm-hmm. and they have a guy that's a you know a little disgruntled or maybe on the you know fringe of getting kicked off of the team, I'm always asking, is there anything to save? a kid you know because I was a two school kid uh, that just look had my own problems but you know when it gets to this level and guys have millions of dollars and they have immaturity uh, maturity issues you know I feel for Dwayne Haskins he wasn't someone that Ron Rivera and his staff wanted anyway wouldn't have drafted him if he was the coach of the Washington football team during that time so you know I I believe in the redemptive powers man and I hope that this uh, young man does have an opportunity to redeem his career and I do too. He's 23 years old. Yeah, you know? uh, a lot of a lot of time to sort it out. The one one more thing about the Eagles, like I, while I said, look, they're out of the playoffs, they have to evaluate Jalen Hurts. They got to figure mm-hmm. out who their quarterback is going into next season, and it very well they may already feel like it's Jalen Hurts, but that they've got to put him in situations to be successful to make their evaluation in the off season. So that I think this game, every game he plays, is big for for them. Yeah, and going back, kind of back and forth between these two. First off, with Rex Ryan saying that on Monday Night Countdown yesterday, there's nothing wrong with being a part of ESPN. I would love to be at that table he was sitting at one day. However, that might be the reason why he's sitting at the table talking on a broadcast rather than coaching in the NFL anymore is by saying things like that. Of Oh, there's no way that Philadelphia is going to go out and win this game. Blah, blah, blah. There's conspiracy theories everywhere. Yeah, maybe that's the reason why he's talking on TV and he's not talking on a headset on the side line but also whenever it comes to Haskins he he needs to go to a better situation that was never going to work for him and the kind of player that he is you talk about the immaturity that's certainly there but with Dwayne Haskins he needs to go to a hard-ass head coach he needs to go somewhere where it's it's a it's a straightforward line of thinking maybe a veteran quarterback sitting in front of him I think Pittsburgh would be the the ultimate opportunity for him I think that would be the best place for him to go and grow underneath Ben Roethlisberger who had his own struggles of immaturity early in his career turn that around to put together put together a Hall of Fame resume I mean 
Mike Tomlin, hard-ass head coach. There's plenty of places where he could go, and so I think Dwayne Haskins has a chance to kind of reset, press that reset button, and hopefully it does end up in a fruitful career. But let's talk about these Cowboys a little bit because no matter what happens with Washington, you have to win on Sunday against New York, and that's not necessarily a foregone conclusion. We've seen this Cowboys team already this season. New York also gunning for a playoff spot, but this Cowboys defense is where I want to start today, and I want to talk about kind of the improvement we've seen on that side of the football and Isaiah I'm going to start with you with the turnovers 10 over the last three games and the way that this defense has kind of turned things around and played over the last couple of weeks against maybe lesser competition but still have seen some improvement has Mike Nolan does done enough at this point to save his job going into the offseason or is there still a little bit more you want to see from Nolan's defense I think he let me put it this way I, I think he has if these guys can remain um, consistent through the rest of the season, if they can finish off this last game um, showing any kind of retention at all that they understand this defense, any kind of retention that they that these guys continue wanting to play hard, that they're playing collective football, um, that they're that they're playing with energy, um, you know. I, and, you know, carrying out their assignments, I think that he has done a good job turning it around. I think he's show, he's shown a glimmer of hope. I think that uh, along with you know the fact that people are going to say, oh, "Of course, he didn't have a full off season." All right, we understand that uh, for sure. Everybody's been in that situation, but um, I think I guess uh, to sum it all up, I think so. Ekma. No, I like that Isaiah, and I, and I feel like there's there's you know percentage of a chance that he has right. Um, I I think that. Once he, these last couple of games, I mean, he's just been like, for my next trick, I'm going to change the turnover differential. Voila. And that is what's happened. And it's made games so much easier for us. And like I said yesterday, man, just making football enjoyable to watch when you see us getting uh, those turnovers. But at the same time, man, we got to talk about the coaching job in general for all of these guys because getting this team on track, whether it's been smashing watermelons or whatever they had to do to get these guys back to playing passionate and flying around, that's the one thing that I see that is the difference from this team five games ago. They're playing with passion. They're flying around. They're not the same dejected team that you saw on the sideline mm-hmm. in the Baltimore game. And I think it's been the turnovers that's made the difference. It's getting home, Isaiah. It's you know getting the running game established. Just those little sparks and chunk plays making everything easy for us. So, Look, I know the question is whether Mike Nolan will come back next year. I really hope he does, and I hope he gets an opportunity to implement his system. Um, I know you're going to be talking about the draft show today. We need a big up front, all of the you know beef, be a best player available talk, whatever. We need a big guy up front. Right now we're playing with two down linemen and four linebackers. We need some bigger guys up there to make this scheme work for this team. Yeah, I've been saying that too. That's, that's my number one mm-hmm priority unless you know they, they may think Tristan Hill comes back and can be Aaron Donald but I, I still think you need uh some help up front uh, and and a lot of spots I think defensively they got to look at I'm with you guys I think I think that's certainly possible he's back because you know Mike McCarthy knows him as well as anybody in the NFL he's worked with him and uh I it, Mike referenced after the game on a couple different times time together um uh, you know, cohesiveness, all those things that I think with time, and even Jerry said it on the fan this morning that, you know, he, he spoke about the secondary and how with time the coaches have gained a better, better understanding of what guys do well. Even if there's guys back there that 
maybe aren't as instinctive of ball hawks putting them in the right spots to go make those plays and get those takeaways. I think Diggs has definitely shown he can do that. Uh, but, you know, some of that is they're attributing that to coaching as the season's gone along. So you are seeing a progression, even though they are still leaking yards and they're not playing elite offenses right now. You, you are seeing improvement, and that's, that's important. And I also don't know if they're necessarily sold on the fact of having to replace both coordinators in an offseason, especially after the one you just had in 2020. And that's certainly a possibility as well with Kellen Moore and that that Boise State job. We're going to talk about that coming up in the third segment. But continuing with this defense here, and I mean, this is a guy who should be, at least at the moment, should be a future head coach in the, or not head coach, but maybe a, a, a coach in the NFL, and that's Sean Lee. Um, and, and he's not the same physically. We knew that. We knew that going into 2020. We knew that whenever the injuries were a problem earlier in the year, but was it, it, there was a calming presence on that defense when Sean Lee was out there. There were sound coverages, the reading of the, especially the read option against a team with Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts in the backfield. It was more succinct and it was more sharp whenever Sean Lee was on the field. And did you see that as well, Heckma, come this past Sunday whenever Sean Lee was on the field? Maybe he physically can't get it done, but the defense has confidence in him to know where he's supposed to be and where they are supposed to go. You know, all season we've been talking about leaders, uh, leadership on this team. And 50 it has been a leader on this team for a very long time. And, you know, we talk common force on the defense, what, what have you, whatever it is, I think that you know, I, I really believe that the preparation for this game, these guys are, are, are locked in. Uh, and I think that's what you see happening on Sundays now. Uh, Sean Lee played his butt off. And I think the leadership that he you know, showed, and we talked about it yesterday, of him getting the guys together just to calm everybody down and realize that, hey, we can actually win this game even though we're down 14-3. to That's what we've needed, right? We've needed that, that kind of leadership and not guys that throw their helmets and hang their heads. So, you know, whatever calming force he's had uh, after, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch has gone out, hopefully Leighton is watching this and he can dial into that as well. But if he's a coordinator in this league or, you know, what assistant uh, in this league, then it's going to be because of his skill set and, and what he, his understanding of football. And, you know, Sean Lee has that. Isaiah. No, I think we talked about it in the pregame show, right, Kyle? In terms of what he brings to this team, obviously when he's on the field, you lose the you lose that you lose the athleticism that he brings. He doesn't he no longer has that, but he does have the the psyche. Um, he does have the confidence. He does have the understanding of the defense. And he can get you in the right positions. I think when Sean Lee's out there, it's kind of like the big brother that you don't want to disappoint. So <laughs> guess what? You do everything right, right? You're in your right gaps. You play the way in which you were supposed to play. You don't go outside of your responsibilities. And I think because of, because he has that respect um, within within his organization, within his team, I think that guys did what they were supposed to do. And then in turn, you saw the results of it. You know, uh, Joe Thomas actually played more snaps in the game. Oh, yeah. I think he had he had 42 snaps. Sean had had 30, and Jalen Smith played the entire game, 73 snaps. But, but yeah, uh, you know, Joe Thomas did a nice job too. But like mm-hmm. Heckma said, talking about maybe coaching being in Sean's future down the line, there's a reason why reporters ask him at the end of every year, "Do you think about being a coach?" Because he's got yeah. that he's got that mindset, and uh, he's, he's his attention to detail is so strong. His study habits are so strong throughout his career. Um, you know, Anthony Hitchens told us a story a couple years when he was still here a couple years ago. Told us uh, before he left for Kansas City that there was a play 
when he was a rookie, I think, with Sean, or the year after, where Sean basically told him to play before the snap. Pigeon's got a pick, and he told himself, I'm, I'm never not listening to Sean Lee again. And it's, it's <laughs> because Sean, Sean is, is capable of, of doing that, recognizing things. And even, yeah, even if his skills aren't what they were, he can. that's been the problem for the Cowboys defensively, just kind of being in the right spot. I think he can help in that regard. It is a fans on the 50 uh, Tuesday, but this is not a question. It was a statement from KB Johnson in our chat, and I, it just made me chuckle for a second. It says, Sean Lee is still the best linebacker on this team. I don't know if he's necessarily far off. I mean, just based off of the mentals, of course, he's there. But I think with the play, I mean, with the way that the defense plays whenever he's on the field, you can see a difference. You can see a calmness. So, hey, I, I don't necessarily wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think there's actually a little bit of merit to what KB Johnson just said in I our think, chat. I, I think he's he's good in his role. Like yes. Isaiah spoke to it. I mean, he playing 30 snaps. I think you don't want him trying to play 73 snaps right now where he's at in his career. Coming off that injury, he's had a bunch of injuries. But pl- playing him in a rotation, yes, definitely. He could be that calming influence. And, and I think Joe Thomas, too, has earned an opportunity mm-hmm. to step in when somebody's out as well. They've, they've got some depth, veteran depth that, that has helped them in this last game. And we'll talk a little bit more about these linebackers coming up throughout the week because they're going to have another tough task against uh, against the New York Giants coming up on Sunday to try and win a division or at least put you in a spot to win a division. But when we come back here on Talking Cowboys presented by Geico, we're going to go into fans on the 50. What do we do when Zach Martin returns? Is it a foregone conclusion that he's back on this offensive line or is there a little bit of question mark to that? We'll answer that when we come back here on Talking Cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. 
back to Talking Cowboys. On to the second segment here of Talking Cowboys on a beautiful Tuesday from Frisco. And whether you're watching from home or you're cheering in the stands with Essilor lenses, you can see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more, do more Essilor. Isaiah Stanback, the official Essilor spokesperson and goggle wearer of everything in today's <laughs> Talking Cowboys, like always. He's alongside Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Glad you're with us here over the last 40, or I, I guess over these 45 minutes. It's not We're not done yet by any means. But we've also got some time now to answer some fan questions and go into Fans on the 50. Fans on the 50. Gosh, I love it when Chris Bean pushes those buttons in the back. Now, we've got some good questions coming in from fans this week. And the first one comes from a, a good buddy of ours, Mike Crum, who's been very supportive of the show over the last couple of years. And Mike Crum asks, which side of the football played better in the win on Sunday? The offensive side of the football with their 500-plus yards and, of course, getting all the receivers uh, you had two 100-yard receivers. You had five touchdowns uh, from receivers alone. And then you had Ezekiel Elliott with a 100-yard rushing game for the second time in 2020. But the defense played well, too, with the three takeaways. And they had plenty of the sacks from Randy Gregory, forced fumbles, interceptions. I mean, both sides play well. But we're going to start with Heckma on this one. Which side played better this past Sunday? You know, I think the popular answer would be the offense, just based off of the numbers that you just said, you know, with, with uh, Zeke running for uh, the yards and obviously the receiving yards as well. But I'm going to go with the defense because I think the defense set the tone. Uh, those three takeaways, those uh, set, getting those turnovers, I think it made life so much easier for our offense to get in the flow, getting those short field advantages. Uh, all of that just made – the the offense run a lot better so i'm gonna go with the defense man rob i'm going to agree with heckma harrison i am going to say the defense because hello you can look at all the offensive yards and it was big time but man you saw them really take a step forward in terms of resiliency being down 14 nothing and not allowing that to snowball like we've seen all season long. And Mike Nolan spoke to that on call yesterday that, you know, he had some concern, like kind of, oh, here we go again. And <laughs> they, they, they went to the sideline, they explained what happened, and, and guys didn't blink. And that was, a to me, a huge step forward defensively. Isaiah. Hmm. I'm going to disagree. Nice. I am going to say the offense. I'm going to say the offense. The reason why I say the offense is because I think there's there are more guys who play well um, than on the defensive side of the ball. I think collectively the defense played well because of a handful of players. Um, you know, mostly that guy, 94. Uh, I mean, he did a heck of a job. Um, so, you know, Gregory went out there and bought out, and because he bought out, the defense had a good day. Now, I'm not saying that other guys didn't do their job. I'm saying that one guy made a huge splash, and because of that, you know, they played well. On the offensive side of the ball, you had numerous guys that balled out. The offensive line killed it, right? The offensive line absolutely killed it. They only gave up a couple a couple plays in the backfield. Uh, and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott got going, right, which means that the offensive line was also killing it in the ground game. Um, Andy Dalton was accurate. You know, Schultz was feisty. You know, all, all our receivers got off, right? So when you start looking at the whole unit, everybody did their job. Um uh, 
a defense side of the ball, we still almost gave up 500 yards. So, yeah, we made some big plays to get turnovers, but we still almost gave up 500 yards. So I can't say that the defense had a better day than offense. He's feisty. I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's feisty. Whenever it comes to the the offense and the way that they played early on, I think the the thing that got you going was the the Michael Gallup touchdown pass. The, whenever you were down fourteen to three and you needed to, you needed a, a touchdown drive, that had to be a touchdown drive. And I feel like if that doesn't happen. You don't necessarily go on the same mm-hmm. run that you did because you just gave up that 81-yard pass to Deshaun Jackson. Rob said it yesterday. Normally, if that play happens earlier in the season, you say, okay, he folds. Like, the Cowboys turn around and they fold at that point. So, I think overall, when you look at that uh, that play in the game, that could be the turning point, was give, getting Michael Gallup, converting in the red zone, which is still a struggle for this team. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit as well, right. but I think that was something that really kind of turned the tide a little bit. So I'll give it to the offense on that one, even though I did like the way the defense played. Now, uh, whenever Zach Martin returns, this is a separate question. When Zach Martin returns coming up, maybe this week, maybe the first round of the playoffs, should we get that far? Is it a foregone conclusion that he is, one, back in the lineup, and two, what position is he going to play? That's my question, because I think, yes, you put a a future Hall of Famer in the lineup, but is he going to play guard, or is he going to play tackle Rob Phillips? Well, Jerry on the fan a few minutes ago didn't sound optimistic about Zach this week. Uh, We'll see, but and Stephen kind of hinted at it yesterday on the fan that, absolute best case scenario when he hurt his calf would be week 17 Mm -hmm. and uh and they don't want to risk him obviously because he is to me he's their best player but um if he gets back this week or whether it's the playoffs if they get there i'd put him at right tackle right where he was when he got hurt because i think Connor mcgovern has really stepped up i really like the way he's playing at right guard and i just think when you talk about your best five i would put zach at at right tackle because he can play anywhere when he's healthy isaiah yeah, that's. Uh, I'm gonna put him at guard. So yeah, let me answer your question. Yes, heck yes, he goes straight back into the lineup. <laughs> yeah, that's no, number that, one. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Straight, yeah, <laughs> straight back into the lineup, no questions asked. Uh, and then when he does get back in the lineup, you put him in at guard. The reason being, you know, if we do get past the Giants and and Washington folds, uh, then we slide into the playoffs and we play what Tampa Bay. Um, and, you know, obviously you got JPP on the ends, but you also have, what, Indomitian Sue, right? Am I mm-hmm. tripping? Uh, You're yeah, not uh, tripping. Uh, on the inside, so you might want to <laughs> have his presence there. Um, and then uh, and then you take into, the, into account that, you know, it's a calf injury, so he has to cover a lot more ground as a tackle versus as, as a guard. So there's a lot more stress on that part of your body at the, at the outside position. Yeah, 100% agree with what you just said, Isaiah, for the same reasons in that calf injury and him kicking out with it. uh, That was just one of the byproducts of him playing right tackle was that calf injury and how much he was extending that leg. He never had to kick back that far uh, at guard. So uh, to me, I ask that what position do you want to play? Whatever you want to do is all right with me, but I I definitely line him up back up at guard. All right, moving on to a new question from Strike Chris. This has to go with the offensive side of the football as well, kind of sticking with that same theme. Do you guys think that Mike McCarthy has influenced Kellen Moore's play calling these past three games? Of course, talking about the winning streak, Isaiah. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm gonna say the second half when he when he probably smacked Kellen Moore upside the head and said, "Give the ball to Zeke." That's what I think <laughs> it happened. I don't think prior to that, I think Kellen Moore was doing what he wanted to do. Uh, you heard me yelling in the studio when we were watching the game live that they were they still weren't giving the ball to Zeke when they got down to the red zone, and it was it was infuriating me. It was frustrating. Um, they kept trying to force it with the pass, and I think Kellen Moore is still fighting fighting those pass demons. Or uh, whenever he want, whenever he gets down there, he just can't get away from throwing the ball. I um, mean, forgetting that he. He has a dog back there, so I think I think you you saw it change in the second half, and you started handing the ball to Zeke a lot more. I think that was McCarthy saying, "Hey, you better get this boy the ball." Ekma, yeah, I thought that there was one point in the game where um, Isaiah, where you've been talking about that veto power from Coach McCarthy, I thought that there was a timeout that he called, and I felt as though he was vetoing the play. However, the 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 next play, uh, we had an illegal formation. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that sequence in the game or not, but there was a part in it where it just seems like we were down in the red zone and then we had the illegal formation. Obviously, we didn't get any points on it, but at the same time, you could tell that he is a lot more active uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, Isaiah, at the beginning of the season, I believe that Kellen Moore had a lot of leash, uh, but not so much anymore. Yeah, I mean, do I think McCarthy is meddling? No. I, do I think he provides some some advice? Yeah. I, I think that's probably gone on all season long. I think, you know, red zone is, Kyle, you referenced it. It's been a problem. They were 2 of 5 on Sunday. They were 1 of 3 goal to go, and you can say they need to run the ball. They've tried to run the ball down there in some games, and they haven't been able to do it. And so sometimes maybe that's why he goes away from it. But I, I think if you want to point at you know one thing for Kellen to get better at or you know just the offense to get better at some of its play calling it, it is situationally down there figuring out the best ways to do it and you can't just say it's because you don't have your offensive line you've got to find ways around that and uh, you know what he did against San Francisco with some of those trick plays that you know that's what a coach has to do is, fi- is find ways to figure it out uh, but yeah I, th- I think Mike probably has some hand in it just because of his experience and trying to guide him. But I think he does want to give Kellen some autonomy there for sure. I think there's been a little bit of that all season long. And also, by the way, I think you, what you said a moment ago, Rob, would be the perfect name for one of those like coach parody Twitter accounts, those like burner accounts. It's meddling McCarthy you know, instead of like Tom the Herman or whatever <laughs> they've had in the past. And uh, I mean, they, they have all those like those parody Twitter accounts. We need to have a meddling McCarthy Twitter account. I think that would be funny. Um, final question. We might have time for one more after this. Is going 7-9 and and not making the playoffs the worst-case scenario for the Cowboys? This comes from KB Johnson. If the Cowboys lose this week and they're out of the playoffs, they're guaranteed a top-ten pick. If they win this week and they don't make the playoffs, they're going to be picking around 16, maybe 15 in the draft. I think as low as they could go would probably be 14, but that would have to take a couple extra wins in the middle there to work things out. But Isaiah, I'll start with you on this one. Is 7-9, and nine, no playoffs, the worst-case scenario for Dallas? I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen. The only reason I play this game to win one, one try. One trophy. I mean, I, you know, what I'm saying I know. I understand everybody's out there trying to jock for positions, mm-hmm. and maybe this isn't. Maybe this is why I'm not a head coach or a GM. But you show up to win a freaking Super Bowl. If you don't win a Super Bowl, that's the worst case scenario. That, that's that's the worst case scenario. You don't win. That that is your goal. You don't go out there for any other reason. Win a Super Bowl, get money. 
That's it. Like, like those are the, those are the two reasons why you play the game. And if you don't have an opportunity to go win that trophy, it sucks. It, it sucks. You literally, there was only one season that I had where I didn't make the playoffs in my whole career, and it sucked. It, it was a weird feeling. It, it, so, and I, I've met, I've, I've ran across many guys who didn't have that opportunity. So. Yes, in my in my eyes, yes, that's a worst case scenario. I understand in terms of draft stock and all that stuff. There's not that many amazing guys coming out the draft this year that you just have to have anyway. So, I, I, if there was ever a year to go seven and nine, this is probably it. Unless you're picking it with what the top five picks. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like, you know, pretty equal. Heckma. Hey, hey, Rob. This is where I interject. Herm Edwards. <laughs> you, there you it play is. To win. <laughs> you play to win the game. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, it's just. It's just what it is. And, but I understand. I understand. There is a large contingent of of our fan base that loves the draft possibilities and rankings and there's so much that's going to go on from January all the way to April uh, with draft. Right now, none of that matters. This team, if we can actually get into the playoffs, I wouldn't care where we pick in the first round. I would, you know what? I want to pick 32nd. That's what yeah. I really want to pick. Same. <laughs> because because if, you, if you pick 32nd, that means you want something, right? So that's where I want to be. I don't know. Like, there's a lot There's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot of stock that's put into these players that's coming in. Right now, uh, this coaching staff is trying to salvage this year. And if I'm Coach Mike McCarthy with the year that I have, if after this last – after Sunday night, if you end up being the NFC East champ, because – he is at one heck of a year coaching. <laughs> yeah. And Kyle, I'll be tuning into the draft show today. And uh, it is today, right? Yes, it is. 1030. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have the insight you guys have on it, but I, I, they've missed out on a top three pick. So, to me, mm-hmm. they've missed, already missed out on a bona fide can't-miss prospect. So, that ship has sailed. And... Uh, at this point, you just—I mean, you're just—it has—that hasn't changed. You're trying to win games, trying to get in the playoffs, and then see what happens. Just draft well wherever you are. Dak Prescott was the 135th pick as a compensatory draft pick in 2016. You can find players. They have a good scouting department. They're still going to have a relatively high pick, regardless. And uh, just go make it happen. Regardless, as in whenever we—I mean, whenever we lose the Super Bowl, I mean, we're going to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, we're going to have a low oh, okay. pick. I mean, well, it's going to sure. happen. And by the way, uh, I, I, I said this. Uh, we had one more question: Will they erect an Andy Dalton statue if we win the Super Bowl at AT and T Stadium? <laughs> this is from Senior Lost Three on the Periscope stream. Do you think so? Yes, no, gentlemen. Yes, whenever we win the Super Bowl, that's what's happening, right? No. No, he would be the new Nick Foles. Oh, no. well, they they made a statue of Nick Foles in Philly, so then that means there not would before be a Troy statue. Eggman. I'm just saying that you, the Red Rifle won't get one before Troy Eggman. So no, man. Mm, okay, okay, that's fine. I guess that's fine. <laughs> By the way, if I can come back right. from two and seven and win my fantasy league title, which I did this past weekend, the Cowboys can go from 3-9 and nine and mm. go win a Super Bowl. So I just wanted to throw that flex in wow. there, but also that possibility in there. Wow. How about that? Fantasy champion wow. back-to-back years. Alright, we're going to take a, a step Something aside else. before we go into this final segment, but when we come back, talk about Kellen Moore. Should he stay or should he go when we come back on Talking Cowboys presented by Geico? 
We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to Talking Cowboys. Final couple minutes here of this Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys. Glad you're with us. And whether you're listening to Talking Cowboys, you're working out, or you're setting your DraftKings lineup, you can experience audio and a whole new way with Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds. Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds, the official yeah. earbuds of the Dallas Cowboys and of Heckma Harrison's ears like, as Jack? well. At the same time, it's like it's like a symphony in my head, and you can hear me clicking my pen very loudly when you yes. have these on. Yeah, I heard that that pen clicking very early in that first segment because of the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds and the headsets that we have now. We have also, talk about hearing, we've been hearing rumors around (laughs) Kellen Moore, and the first report came from Mike Prater of the Idaho Press. He reported on Twitter that Mm. Kellen Moore had interviewed for the Boise State head coaching job. Of course, our offensive coordinator played played for Boise State. From 2008 to 2011, he was top 10 in Heisman voting three out of his four seasons on campus and is one of the winningest quarterbacks in collegiate football history. So I asked this question on our Mixed Match show on Christmas Eve with Jesse Holliday, Newton, and Barry Church, and I kind of wanted to pose this to you guys as well, but would you be upset if Kellen Moore left? Because there's growth from Kellen Moore. You've seen that. You've seen the fact that he's grown as an offensive coordinator in his second year in the job and really his third or fourth year as a coach overall. But would you be overly upset if he took this head coaching job and, and left for at least seemingly greener, more potatoy pastures in Idaho, Isaiah? <laughs> I like what you did there. I like it too. I would not be uh, angry. I wouldn't be angry at all. I mean, when people have opportunities, you got to hop on them. These things don't pop open, they, you know, they don't pop open too often, especially um, 
the situation like he has there with Boise State. So if he if he takes advantage of the opportunity, good for him. Uh, good thing is, I think we already have another offensive coordinator on staff, so we'll be all right. Mm. Who are you talking about there? I just want to clarify. The McCarthy of Mike. Okay, just wanted to make sure. You think he would call plays? You, you think he would? Yeah, absolutely, that? absolutely. Yeah. No love absolutely. for Garrett Nussmeyer, or excuse me, Doug Nussmeyer. Garrett's his uh, son that plays for Flower Mount Marcus. Son, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a little young for the job. Yeah, right. <laughs> like man, as we saw him fast and early. <laughs> yeah, Garrett, get up here. Uh, we we lost yo. one young boy genius. We got to get another one here. Hurry it up. I know you got to play at LSU and whatnot. Yeah, but we'll, we'll be fine. High school. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Heckman, what you oh think? Oh my God, Kyle. Oh man. I, I, look, I've thought about this, and you've asked the question before, and I just feel like, you know, you give all this up, you better come on in. It's a Cowboys. I, I don't know how you do that. Mm. Uh, but if that's – and I understand for, for him, being that's home, and he's has so many skins on the wall back uh, at Boise State. It, it, for At 32 years old, I mean, getting that head coaching experience, if that's where he really is, and, and, and that job is a dream job for him, Man, kudos to Kellen, and, you know, by all means, take that position. It wouldn't – I feel like they're going to – you know, Mike McCarthy, to me, would be the person that would be called in those plays if there wasn't a Kellen Moore this year. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be mad at him for, for leaving, mm-hmm. but I just I, – I mean, it'd be hard – I'd be hard-pressed to leave, though. That'd just be me. Yeah, they – the fa- fish on the fan asked me if I had a gut feeling about it, and I really don't because yeah. – you know, obviously he's interested. I mean, he, he kind of said that it's a unique opportunity. He's going to go through the process of, of seeing what it entails and then make a decision. But yeah. but the Joneses are very persuasive, you know, and, and they they obviously want him to stay. Kyle, I mean, Kyle, are you asking, like, based on his performance as the play caller? Yeah, would, yeah. Would you kind be of, upset if he were gone? Exactly, yes. I mean, yeah. I, the way that he brings a, a, a new yeah. modern look to the offense, I think we all could agree that Scott, Kellen Moore has done a better job than Scott Lanahan did here. Yeah, and um, we talked about the red zone. That's been probably the biggest thing you can point to that needs to improve. Uh, but they were, in terms of yardage, they were number one last year. Uh, you know, there are things you can point to about the run game and 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 being more balanced. But I, I, I have been impressed with the last month or so uh, adapting, adapting this scheme without Dak and, and, and being more balanced and finding a way to make it work with the offensive line. Like that's and what he did on Sunday, what they did on Sunday offensively was was really impressive. I think you're seeing him grow as a play caller. So, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of promise. He does have promise. And honestly, if you want to talk about coaching success and going to a specific school to have coaching success, Boise State would be that. Because if you look at every coach since 1997, they have left their job to go to a Power 5 conference. Houston Nutt went to Arkansas after a year. Uh, Dirk Coerter, I don't know how to say his last name, he went to Arizona State. Dan Hawkins went to Colorado. Chris Peterson, of course, he left and went to UW. Of course, Mr. Isaiah Stanback, he's had some success up at Dub, and then Brian Harson, of course, <laughs> just leaving to go and, and take the head coaching job at Auburn. So 
one, two, three, four, five straight head coaches at Boise State have left to go on to to go to a Power Five conference, and now Boise State has an opportunity to bring one of their own back. They're going to go after Kellen Moore. I have no doubt about that. That's my gut feeling, but I agree with both of you. Why would you leave, or is there really that much incentive to leave? I think that's the biggest question whenever it comes to him taking that job. But that's going to do it for us here on Talking Cowboys today. We've already gone over a couple of minutes, but I want to thank every one of you for joining us here with the last 45 of them and we'll be back again tomorrow 9 30 to talk through the Cowboys and the Giants we'll preview this matchup and then Thursday we'll say it with our chest continuing on into the weekend no show on New Year's but we do have a New Year's Eve version of Talking Cowboys but for today for Chris Beam in the back for Heckma Harrison for Rob Phillips and Isaiah Stanback I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from the star in Frisco we'll see you tomorrow on Talking Cowboys presented by Geico. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!